And hey, Tatiana is on the field of another Houston Cougars men's basketball game, and this time another victory against the only team that has beaten the University of Houston Cougars men's basketball team in the conference so far, and that was the Temple Owls. This time, Houston came up to Philadelphia and handed the Owls a loss. They got a little bit of payback, and they were able to come away with the victory 81-65 to in Philadelphia. But joining me, as always, Chris Gardner of the Houston Roundball Review, Dayon Dunlap. How are you two doing? Oh, great, man. I'm doing fabulous after that performance in the second half. Yeah, I'm doing good, too, man. Just like Chris, I'm feeling really good, feeling excited. I was expecting that second half throughout the whole game, but it was good to see him turn it on in the second half. Well, exactly. They turned it on in the second half, and, boy, what they, they kind of piled it on on Temple. In the second half, they opened. It's kind of a tale of two halves because in the first half, Give credit to the Owls, man, and especially when it comes to battle. They hit some tough shots that Kelvin Sampson, his postgame presser, said that in the at halftime, the message he told his team was much more focused on the offensive side rather than the defensive side because he said some of these shots that specifically battle that they were hitting in that first half were absurd. And he said, you know, they're shots that you don't even practice. They're shots you practice if you want to win a game of horse, which was a, a funny comment from Kelvin Sampson. But really the focus was on offense, on the offensive side of the ball. And when you look at the Houston Cougars in this game, in particular against Temple in round two of the matchup between Houston and Temple, you got to start with Jarris Walker, who he was the one key player offensively that – had it going in the first half, and he kept Houston within striking distance. And then in that second half, the Cougars really supported on on Temple. They started the period on a 13-0 run that created separation, and really from that point on, the Cougars didn't look back. There was one point when Temple cut it to five again after Houston had built a double-digit lead, and then Jaros Walker hit a three-pointer to push it back to eight, and eventually they got back up double digits, and it just was never the same. Temple was never able to cut it after that. The key, you know, Jarris kept the Cougs close in the first half, as you said, Andy. Temple made like six or seven threes in a stretch in the first half, nine threes in the first half. But their biggest lead was six in the first half because Jarris kept them close, kept the Cougs close. So I was like, this ain't going to last for Temple, you know, making nine threes in a half. And then halftime, Cougs down by four. Cougs started that second half with an 11-0 blitz. And I was like, yep, this is the Cougs I know. And then Temple made one final run, cut it to five. Jerry hit that three-pointer real quick after that. Cougs up by eight. And then they made 10 straight buckets. It's been a long time since I've seen the Houston Cougar team make 10 straight buckets. But that was it. The defense clamped down. Temple cooled off. And the Cougs offense heated up. 20 assists in the game, like a 12 assist in the second half. Dayon touched on it a few times, and you as well. The ball was not sticky. Ball movement was great second half. They were rolling and flowing. Great second half for the Cougs. Big win. Yeah, I think that first half was more Temple than, than Houston. I think, of course, we mentioned how – or you guys mentioned how Jarris had it going in the first half and really throughout the entire game. But, I mean, you really got to credit Temple. Their crowd and their energy and the players really came out and fed off their energy and battle with the best guard on the floor. 
I mean, you got to give it credit where it's due. I know Coach Sampson said those like practice shots, but those shots that Marcus make all the time, step back threes, contested threes, and good players make those shots. So I'm going to give him his credit for playing light sap because he really, really did. But like Chris said, watching that game, I didn't think they would be able to keep up um, that efficient shooting throughout the entire game. Um as a team, I think I thought Battle could have did that because he's that good of a player, that prolific of a score. But as a team, I, I didn't think they would be able to to do so. I, I think they could have because it's at home, so you, you never really know. So I'm watching and I'm thinking like, dang, Houston got to get more from a certain player, more from him, more from him. But then it was just kind of like an avalanche in that second half. I think Coach McKee probably should have started um, done and, and Battle in that second half. I, I know yeah, I've been going for them. Yeah, yeah, I think that second half, the way it's going, I mean, not to question him, but just watching the game and the way he had it rolling, I'm thinking you, you want to keep that momentum going, especially at home. But in that second half, Houston uh, just moved the ball and played team defense. Rebounding was still lackluster, and most of it really – I really don't – I can't put a finger on the rebounding. They, didn't, they just didn't rebound the ball well, but everything outside of rebounding, they played really well. They play really well. Real, real quickly, down to, to add on to your point in regards to the atmosphere that it was here. Kelvin Sampson after the game said he get he gives the student section here at Temple an A plus for really how how much they heckled the Houston Cougars in this game and how much they brought energy. But like you said, in the second half. It didn't take long for Temple to bring in Damian Dunn and battle after that. After Houston tied it, I believe, like shortly thereafter, they were right back in the game. But by that point, you kind of, when Houston took the first lead in that second half, and it kind of what a coincidence that came it it came off the heels of a couple of free throws going back to the first meeting in Houston. How big of a storyline that was between these two teams. But once they were able to build up a four-point lead, and they slowly built it. And then Temple, I think there was a couple of stretch there where they got three offensive rebounds. And I can't remember if it was when Houston was yep. up four around that stretch. And they were getting open threes. They just weren't hitting them. And right, that right there, when Houston kind of dodged a bullet right there, from my perspective, when I was writing the game story, I was happy because that meant I could write my game story knowing that they were going to be rallying in the second half. And I could I already had my story done and really that's how the game played out something we've seen from this Houston Cougars team in the past because really especially just look at the microcosm of the Wichita State game where again similar Wichita State was beating Houston when it came to those hustle plays they were getting offensive boards they were winning the rebounding battle they were hitting some tough shots and they were they were beating Houston on the offensive side of things and then just like that they found a switch the Houston Cougars did and it didn't matter that Wichita State played as well as they had probably off season long they found themselves down and just like that in this game against Temple it was a similar situation before they knew it Temple was down 10 and at that point all the energy had been sucked out of the arena and there was a lot of anxious noise it was noise it was anxious noise and then really the Owls were never 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 they were never able to recover from that point on, but that, that's a great point. Jairus Walker had it going so well at, at one point in the game. He got the ball, and, man, I promise you, I heard the crowd kind of go, oh, no, he got the ball again. <laughs> it was that kind of reaction for them because he had it rolling. He was he played funny, very well. 
the funny part, Chris, I was going to say, but when they were getting introduced, some students in the student section were calling Jarvis Walker overrated. But you are absolutely right. At one stretch, when Jarvis Walker was open and he would be shooting, you would just hear the crowd kind of groan because they expected the shot to go in. So over the, the stretch of the two hours in the game, Jarvis Walker made all the Temple fans, certainly the Temple students, were at, we were right behind the Temple student section believers after two hours tonight in Philadelphia. It was just a yeah. great overall performance by the Cougs, offensively, for sure. Yeah, and offensively, they didn't really shoot the three well outside of Jerry's, but they dominated in the paint. They were able to get the ball in the paint and score. They had 34 paint points until how we talked about um, in, the, in the last list, race Cougs, and how their defense is predicated on keeping the ball out of the paint. And Temple only had 14 points in the paint, although they made 12 threes. I mean – you you rather someone live and die by the three versus getting in the paint routinely and getting those close and making those and being able to make those closer efficient shots. And so for Houston, I mean, defense definitely um, was the catalyst in the, in the second half as far as just contesting shots, keeping it tough on Temple. But the offense, they were able to get the ball in the paint. They did a good job on the opportunity presenting itself playing in the half court, whether it's a semi-transition or a full transition opportunity. If they had 10 fast break points, but the playmaking overall from the three guards, from Jamal, Marcus, and Tremont, really all stood out. There was times where Jamal brought the ball up and kind of ignited the offense and made a play and created. So all three of them really saw the floor well tonight and created um, for each other and just made the game easier. When you When your three guards can make plays like that. They don't all have to shoot the ball efficiently and well, especially when you got somebody like Jairus on playing the way he's playing. If he keeps playing at this rate, I think he might move himself into a, a top five pick. I think he's already setting stone a lottery pick. But if he keeps playing like this, then Houston has a great run in an NCAA tournament on that big stage, and he plays well. I think his, his name might skyrocket even more up in them drafts. And one thing I was looking at tonight, he got one offensive rebound. He didn't have zero. Jaywan <laughs> didn't have any because he didn't um, foul trouble again. But um, Jaywan, that's another thing I wonder. I mean, he, he had 12 points. But if he doesn't play in foul trouble, he can have even a bigger impact in the game. And so it's like if he can stay on the floor and not get those ticky-tack fouls, then the offense could be even more potent because him and Jarrett complement each other so well. Jarrett's playmaking ability, not only for shooting a three, but when he's making it and they run him off the line, and then he can create and they try to force him off the drive. He can drop it down low to J1 or create for someone else. And so it's kind of like pick your poison with the way you want Houston to beat you. And they have so many offensive weapons, and they play unselfishly. I mean, that's the main thing that sticks out to me game to game. They're so unselfish. They feed the hot hand, whatever it is, and they just want to win basketball. They play winning basketball. Coach Simpson talks a lot of impact and winning. The entire team plays winning basketball on any given night it's unselfish there's no one looking to to get mine it's oh he's got to go on tonight well let's feed him and so they really play well as a team tonight you know espn despite their issues the audio and, and the video for part of the game first half especially had a good graphic juan has had at least four fouls in six of his last nine games that hurts the Cougs. Now, two of the fouls today, he, he kind of snake bit. He was on the floor, Temple rolled over him, and he got the foul call. So that's two of his four. Jamal Shea got two of his four today, died on the floor, made contact, Temple made contact with him, and he got the foul. 
So that's a concern. But Darren touched on it. Seven assists for Jamal. Five assists for, for Marcus. Five assists for Jamal and Mark. That's a great balance from your, your guards, your wings. Production, four starters got in, in double figures. Jamal didn't shoot the ball well until the end when everybody else got hot too. But his rebounding and his assists were good in the second half. The solid overall performance by the team, in spite of foul trouble from Reggie Cheney, Jamal Shedd, Juwan Roberts, this team still won 72% from the floor in the second half. 18 with 25, 11 layups. They carved up tempo defense in the second half. 11 layups. Cheney had layups, two layups and a dunk. One had Roberts had dunks. It's a great ball movement, player movement as well. Good overall win by the Cougs. On and upward, on to the next. We got to give credit to Jamon's defense. Uh, I think defensively, he played really, really well. And also, Marcus, when um, when Battle had it, was it? Yeah, when Battle had it going, um, they put Marcus on him, and he cooled him off a little bit. He started missing some shots consecutively, and he cooled him off a little bit. But him and Tremont, their activity defensively, the way they denied the ball and just made it tough and contested every shot, I think that was real vital for them. I think that, that was also a turning point to get Houston going offensively. I think they fed off their defense. And when they stop a team from scoring, it, it only ignites their energy on the offensive end. I think Tremont's defense was the best he's played defensively in a while. So maybe that's because he's that quad injury. He's he's a little bit more healthy, more mobile. Because his defense, I mean, he that block shot he had a battle three pointer knocked out of bounds. I mean, that was the capper right there down the stretch, right there. The Tremont defense, he was locked in defensively. Real quickly, before we move on, we're going to hear from head coach Kelvin Sampson on the other side of this break. But we like to thank every single one of you guys that is watching us live on the Houston Round Bar Review YouTube channel. This is Let's Rage Cougs presented by the Saxinian family. The Saxinian family is a primary sponsor of Let's Rage Cougs basketball for the remainder of the men's basketball season heading into the American Athletic Conference postseason tournament, which is roughly just over a month now have the time ticking because here in Temple, they did have a promotion for the American Athletic Conference Men's Basketball Tournament, which will take place March 9th through the 12th at Dickey's Arena in Fort Worth, Texas. So, of course, we'd like to say thank you to the Sex Indian family for being the primary sponsor for really the entire season of the men's basketball year for Houston. They committed to being the primary sponsor early on for the first episodes and haven't let go since. And, of course, we also like to say thank you to the, our, our other partners, beginning with Star Pizza. Be sure to visit them Online at starpizza.net. Star Pizza is Houston's best pizza since 1976. And H-O-U-N-I-L. Check out this message from J.V. or Francis and H-O-U-N-I-L. Hi, my name is J.V. Francis, and I'm partnering with H-O-U-N-I-L. We need the fans to go to H-O-U-N-I-L.com to subscribe to our player credit content. Supporting Cougar basketball helps its players stay among the top teams in the country. Once again, that's HOUNIO.com to subscribe. Thank you, and go Cougs. Subscriptions start for as low as $20 a month. If you are interested, go visit HOUNIL.com. On that note, I'll toss it over to head coach, Houston head coach, Kelvin Sampson. Hear what he had to say following Houston's 81-65 to victory over the Temple Hall. His performance tonight. Yeah, Jarvis is starting to find his uh, group a little bit. 
You know, he's. Um, I thought uh, our three freshmen uh, played good tonight. Our young guys, uh, Emmanuel Sharp, has a couple of nice shots with a big three. Uh, JBA Francis, <clears throat> I thought had really good activity. That's you know he's 19 years old. He's got a seven six wingspan, and he um, um, six eight. You know he's just he's so young. He's, so inexperienced, but I thought his activity usually equals productivity. And when he's active and he has great activity, he, he usually helps us. And then, uh, you know, Jarris is um, you know, he's starting to find his groove. Early in the year, he struggled. Uh, and even the first half tonight, I thought he was, you know, not at his best. Um, free throw line, Mr. Warning one. I wanted to make the one and one because I know it was our ball to start the second half and we had a chance to double up. We missed it the one and one. Um, but we came out of, uh, we went into the halftime and said, okay, here's, here's how we're going to attack it. I didn't talk a lot about defense because of the shots they were taking. They were taking difficult shots. So I thought our defense was pretty good. Uh, well, what we tried to, uh, adjustments we made or what we tried to, to do better was uh, uh, our offensive execution. Right here you know, the first sort of three halves, Temple against your trap, kind of didn't make too many errors. And it was the beginning of the second half, the turnovers at half court that kind of turned it. Anything yeah. that got done uh, there. That's, that's a great observation. You know, what we what we tried to do was not, not trap them. You know, was stay at the line of scrimmage. You know, trap, trap means that you're, you're, you're basically, two guys are converging on a prey, right? You got two wolves after a little rabbit. What we did was was use our guard, I mean, we call it back pressure, but we just kept our guard and use active hands. And that's where we got a lot of deflections. You know, done 6'5". You know, our, our, we have little guards, Shibs, six foot, Sasser's 6'1". So we used them to play behind him, but we kept our, our bigs at the line of scrimmage just active. So he was throwing over and, you know, we were committing to the ball and he kept throwing the ball over Shed. And uh, that was hurting us. So once we left our big at the line of scrimmage, um, you know, their pick and roll defense. And once we took away their pick and roll defense, then they started running battle out of their diamond floppy set, uh, trying to get him jump shots. And, you know, that's, that's a hard way to make a living. Go to Gatsby here on the right. Uh, Coach Sampson, it seems like the uh, freshman really stepped up tonight, whether it was Jarris making that three to move it from five to eight, and then after that technical, you had. Uh, <laughs> yeah, sharp, sharp. The sharp was a real sharp shooter tonight, making that three to push it back from ten to thirteen. What does it really say about the freshmen's already buy-in that they're falling already? Yeah, this is a good time of the year to do it. The guy that we that's been playing better that just hasn't uh, found his niche yet, maybe is Terrence Arsenal. You know, he, he can play better. Um, Arsenal Sharp's father was his high school coach. Um, you know, he's, he was well coached coming in. Uh, tough kid, keeps his composure, doesn't, doesn't uh, um, lose sight of what we're trying to do. Uh, and he's got a good body. You know, Temple's guards are big and strong. Uh, you know, we lost four starters off last year's team, uh, and, and those wings were all 6'5". Uh, we're, not, we're not nearly as big as we uh, were last year, but you know, we, we have to be way more aggressive. Second half, I thought we were aggressive with both of us. Got time for one or two more if anybody's got it. 
I think uh, the big thing for us is continue to develop our bench. You know, those freshmen. You know, we have four. We have four freshmen, and we only we have five guys that played last year. That's it. Um, uh, Reggie Cheney, J1, uh, Roberts, Shed, uh, Sasser, and Tremont Mark. That's it. Everybody else is a freshman. Uh, Francis a freshman, Walker a freshman, Arsenal a freshman, and Sharp a freshman. Just, just continue to develop those kids. So once again, that was Houston Cougars head coach Calvin Sampson touched about. He touched on a myriad of things. I think the first one that stuck out to me was when he talked about Jarris Walker and how really he's starting to to find his groove. Now, Dayon, you said this earlier in the show. You tweeted about it, and I absolutely agree with you. If Jarris Walker continues to play night in and night out, because now he's starting to become much more consistent. He's not looking like a freshman that often anymore. Now, I know if you ask Kelvin Sampson, he's going to point out that rebounding aspect down. Like you pointed out, he did improve in the offensive rebound category. But that's that's got to be, if you're Houston and if you're other teams in the conference that are going to play Houston down the road and you see that Walker's starting to really, really get in rhythm and get comfortable, that's got to be a scary sight because now you just add really uh, a nuclear option for the Houston Cougars, and that's tough to contain. Yeah, and what he brings is versatility because he can score not only in the post area, but he stretches the defense with the four. And he's a much better shooter than what Fabian was last year. Fabian developed into a three-point shooter, and he was a consistent and he was a good three-point shooter last year. But you compare that to his freshman year where Fabian didn't shoot threes. Jarris, this is his first night to where he knocked down a three efficiently at a high clip. And so it's not always going to be like that. But that's when the team scouting report that you have to run him off the three. And with his passing ability, um, it, it only makes it more potent. But just back to that point of um, him I mean, making the offense more versatile with his three-making, when the ball is in Jamal's hands and you, whether it's pick and roll or pick and pop, now you're going to have to the defense. You have to pay attention to detail uh, to Jairus, whether he's rolling or whether he's um, popping. And if he pops and then and you try to guard that, then Jamal can get all the way inside, Marcus can get all the way inside, or even Tremont. And so – you got the three guards who can all make plays at the way that they can, and you got Jarris at the forefront of it playing like he's playing. I mean, Houston's going to be really, really hard to beat. I think the, the, the more um, – the next step just for the team is just for the guards. I don't want to say to to find more rhythm because I think they played in a really good rhythm tonight. Some shots just didn't fall, and they did a great job of making plays. So it's more about, like Coach Sampson said, I agree with that, just to continue to develop the depth in the bench because you're going to need certain stretchers and games and opportunities where you're going to need Terrence to step up and, and make shots and make plays. You're going to need Emmanuel to step up, make shots and make plays. You're going to need JVA to come in and, and anchor down that middle. And I think another thing for him is, is – He's such a good shot blocker. You don't want to take his thread away from blocking shots, but you don't need him to can I don't I want to go after blocking every shot because some of those times it makes the team acceptable for offensive rebounds. I think sometimes he just has to trust the defense and trust who's ever guarding to contest their shot and he can come in and clean up the boards. But overall, man, like you say, I 
with Jerry's playing the way he is, his t- teams are are in for something. It's it's just he's I think getting more comfortable. I think Coach Sampson is beginning to also continue to develop his trust in Emmanuel Sharp and and Terrence Arsenault, letting them Terrence with the travel the up and down. So he didn't get a lot of run after that. But Emmanuel, he put Manuel back in the game. Emmanuel was good defensively. Hit a, a three-pointer during that 10 straight baskets for the Cougs. So slowly but surely, old school coach Kelvin Sampson is beginning to develop some trust, more trust in his freshmen. So that's good to see. And it's important for the Cougs to be able to go nine deep. And if they can do that going nine deep, it just adds versatility to the offense and the defense. I'll mute it there for a second, but no, I think that is the key right there. Being able to not only, like you said, Chris, from Kelvin Sampson's standpoint, develop that trust and really gain trust. I feel like Emmanuel Sharp has a good amount of trust, or Kelvin Sampson has a good amount of trust in Emmanuel Sharp. With Terrence Arsenault, it's still about being much more consistent. You heard it in that clip. He still kind of hasn't found his niche within the Houston Cougars. But then, of course, something that Kelvin said all season long when it comes to Javier Francis is that he's still a freshman, especially with even though he played, he had spotty minutes here and there a season ago they you they were came after uh during blowouts it wasn't necessarily during key stretches like it has been this season for francis but what i was gonna say when it comes to those three players in particular arsenal francis and sharp it's gonna be key that come march so come a month from now and heading into the ncaa tournament that those three players Obviously, you don't expect them to be averaging, you know, 10 plus points a game, but for them to have a specific role, a specific niche where they're comfortable, they have an identity, they know what they're going to be able to, to, what kind of their goals are going to be night in and night out for the Houston Cougars in order for the Cougars to reach the ultimate goal, which is to win an NCAA tournament, to win the NCAA tournament in Houston. Agree. And I think we're forgetting another thing. The Cougs had eight block shots today, and Roberts had, I think, four of them. He had a nasty block. I can't remember if it was on Dunn or, or Batter. It might have been one of the other guards, but he just came in. It looked like he was going to let him go past, and he came in he, with both hands. He just came on and, and glassed it. Yeah, you know, so it's an example of if Juan can avoid foul trouble, imagine what, go back to what Dan said earlier, <laughs> what Juan could do with points and more block shots. If he gets more minutes on the floor, if he can stay on the floor, because his help side defense and shot blocking is really ha- has improved throughout this season. Javier Francis, he's still trying to defend on the perimeter, which is not his strength. But close to the basket, his help side defense is much better, and he can be a, an enforcer and an intimidator to shop, you know, block some shots as well. So that is another aspect to this, this defense for the team that could improve as long as they avoid foul trouble. Today was the first time in a while Reggie Cheney was over-aggressive. Some of his fouls today were like, Reggie, you know, come on, man. You, the physical p- the bumps and, and the reach in, three of his five fouls, he could have avoided those, you know. But he was aggressive, and he got points today. <laughs> so it's a, pick your poise with Reggie sometimes, but he is so aggressive. Sometimes you just got to, Reggie, calm down, man, calm down. Keep yourself on the floor. He's much more impactful staying on the floor 
than City Fouls. Yeah, to your point, India, about um, Terrence Emmanuel, I, I think their role is pretty much set in stand. I think it's more about them finding more of a, a, a rhythm and, and being more consistent within the playing within the rhythm of the game. Because I mean, like freshmen and what we've seen is so much of them. Sometimes they just aren't in the rhythm of the game. I mean, defensively, I will say they are much, much better than the start of the season. So defensively, I, I think they are where the team wants them to be. Of course they can get better, but defensively, um, Emmanuel's not um he's much better defensively. Terrence is good defensively and he's a good rebounder. So I think it's much more offensively when you're talking about uh, with them just be, being consistent and playing with them playing with a rhythm and, and making plays. Whether you're making shots or not, you just gotta make plays. And, and that's what Marcus did tonight. Whether he got the cool off to a good start. But that, that first three he made was a semi-transition to start the game. And whether his shot is falling or not, he still impacts the game and he still almost controls and dominates the game because he's making plays and not just relying on his ability to make shots. I think he knows he's such a threat. He used his threat to create and make the game other make easy for others. That's the making of a great player, being able to make the game easier for other players, especially when you guard as much tension as he guards. And so, I mean, th th this team, man, I think they are should be favorites. Do you think they'll, they'll jump Purdue? I honestly don't think they'll jump Purdue for number I, one. I they had a quality loss um, with Indiana. Yeah. Yeah. Indiana. I don't I don't believe so. You know, and we're talking about the AP and coaches poll, which I don't They're still number that. one in you the know, net. You know, that's, that's what I care about, the net and the predictive metrics. Ranks like that. I don't care about the coaches' poll, the writers' poll, whatever. One, two, three. I care about the Coos being a number one seed way more than I care about them being ranked number one in the AP poll. Real quickly, mentioning the net rankings, Houston's now five and one quad one games are seven and zero oh in quad two games. So that's the big reason why they're number one in the net rankings, and of course, they're one and, and one in Andy, quad, quad three games. Andy, who was who was who was one of those five uh, quad one wins? <clears throat> Who of those St. Mary's? Huh. Who Saint beat Gonzaga? Oh, yeah. St. Mary's. They're ranked like number six in the net. Yes. It's and they beat how, a really good Gonzaga team last night. It's funny how some of these national bracketology people just seem to ignore who the Cougs have beaten in non-conference, like St. Mary's, Kent State, uh, that at other Virginia. Team. <laughs> you know? Right. They're right down the street huh. in Charlottesville. Not too far away. But I digress. I think it, it it reminds me when you guys say that it makes me think of last year because they almost had a similar schedule, but those teams didn't have a successful season like they're having now. And this season, some of those teams that they're playing are just having better seasons. Right. And so, I, I I think I mean I think they are paying attention because um what's his Joe um, Lenardi he was on during the broadcast and he talked about Houston being the number one seed and he he's also the talking one, about he's the, the one guy. Yeah, he's the one guy who's been consistent with Cougs as, as a one seed. There are other guys, two seed. I think one is like borderline two or three. And I'm like, come on, man, what are you looking at? <laughs> you know, so, right. but that's all right. And it, it's um, 
No, I I could see if they just light out and be a two seed, but anything below a two seed, what Houston has been able to put together all season long is ridiculous. And I agree, like Joe Lenardi said, when it comes to the eye test, I think the biggest thing about this Houston Cougars team, at least so far in conference schedule, and they started a bit during their non-conference late, it, it just seems like they have an extra gear to them. Like I said earlier in the show, going back to that Wichita State game, the Shockers did everything right. They literally did everything right, and they still weren't good enough to be able to beat Houston in their own home court. And, and I also want to say about what Lenardi said during the game, I talk about his prediction about Purdue-Houston. He, he acknowledged that the American has is a good conference. They are good teams. So it was good to hear a national guy say that. Yes, you know, there were some bad losses non-conference that has hurt the overall picture for the league, but this league has good teams. Going forward, it's not going to be concerned for the coach because they're going to the Big 12. Mm-hmm. And I know post-game coach Sampson was asked about his thoughts about Temple potentially you know, rising to uh, take Houston's place in the American next year and going forward. And coach said he, you know, Temple could, Memphis could, Wichita State could, because there are good teams in this league. They're just not respected, you know, from national, yeah. a lot of national folks. I think the the interesting thing about Temple, when you look at Damian Dunn uh, battle, um, a lot of their players, they're sophomores. So in a perfect world, barring any transfers, they're going to be coming back next year. And they're like, like maybe we've just been brainwashed by Kelvin Sampson, but as juniors and potentially as seniors, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with in Temple. I think I agree. I think Temple's building something really, really strong for the future, barring any transfers. And then we'll see how Temple handles higher expectations because that's different. That's one thing Coach Sampson has established with these kids in this program. They get other teams' best shot. Night in, night out. Every night. This was a whiteout game for Temple. But they adjust. They're they're used to it. As Coach said postgame, we got tough kids. You got to have tough kids to win on the road. We got tough kids. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I couldn't believe that he only had Houston and Memphis in the tournament. And Tulane has beat Memphis twice. Temple, they had some of the non-conference losses. But you got – Teams like TCU who got a bad non-conference loss, although they're in the Big 12. So they was maybe thinking about what Chris said um, last last um, episode. Like they pick and choose what non-conference games that they want to um, put into account. And so, I mean, the, the league is good. The teams are good. Um, Temple is good. I think the difference tonight in the first game was the first game – uh, Damian Dunn and Khalil battle got off tonight. Dunn struggled, but battle got off. I, I think if Dunn would have had a better night, it would have been a closer game. And so, any given night, of course, Houston gets the team's best shot, but they play against good teams with good guards and they have good size. I, I think the size really disrupts Houston when they play against teams with good size that can pass and they can execute because it, it, it makes it tough. I'm looking at kind of trying to go through Tulane's non-conference schedule. Yeah, it wasn't, let's see, it wasn't very strong. And for them to not be in the Big 12, that's a, that's a problem, <clears throat> Kansas yeah. State. Um, but Tulane's <laughs> non-conference schedule, 
<clears throat> is a 343 strength of schedule. Right. So that's that's what's holding them back because of that. And not, and not being in the Big 12, being in America. So, yeah, the Big 12, they don't have a conference that could save them from, from a national perspective. But real quickly, I put a pin on there right there. I'd like to remind everybody that's watching. Thank everybody that's watching live. We, we've had these past two shows have probably been uh, our most viewed live show, at least certainly from, from an all-time perspective. I think you could throw in a couple of football post-game shows as well. But we thank you for being able to, I guess it's not that late, back in the Central Time, that's 936. So thank you for being a part and chatting with us here on let's rage Cougs live on the houston round ball review youtube channel if you're listening audio only to wherever you get pots time pajama on your platforms whether it be spotify apple podcast google google podcast any any other kind of audio platform that you're listening to even though you're not listening to us live thank you as well for making taking making the choice to involve us and in a part of your day that really means a lot and we couldn't say thank you enough this is let's rage Cougs presented by the saxinian family of course, we'd like to say thank you to the Saxonian family who's going to be the primary sponsor for the remainder of the men's basketball regular season and into the American Athletic Conference postseason tournament. And, of course, our other partners, beginning with Star Pizza. Be sure to visit them online at starpizza.net, where not only you can see their menu for their various locations, but you can also order online. So you can just stop by at any of their locations and pick up Star Pizza's Houston's Best Pizza. Best pizza since 1976, and be sure to visit them online at starpizza.net. And of course, we'd also like to say thank you to H O U N I L. And here's their message from Javier Francis. Hi, my name is Javier Francis, and I'm partnering with H O U N I L. We need the fans to go to H O U N I L.com to subscribe to our player credit content. Supporting Cougar basketball helps its players stay among the top teams in the country. Once again, that's HOUNIO.com to subscribe. Thank you, and go Cougs. Once again, that's H-O-U-N-I-L. If you're interested in subscribing, subscriptions start at just $20 a month, and you can do so at H-O-U-N-I-L.com. Real quickly, I have a clip from Houston Cougars senior guard Marcus Sasser that I'm going to go to in a second. But I'd like to acknowledge the crowd that was there from the Houston faithful. Now, a big chunk of them, I, I believe they were related to Jairus Walker. Obviously, he's a Pennsylvania native, so... It's a bit of a state homecoming for him, not too close from from where he's from, but it still it's the state of Pennsylvania. But that whole section above the Houston Cougars bench, it and I mean the whole section going from right behind the bench all the way, basically stretching up to the lower concourse was packed with Houston Cougar fans right behind their bench. And throughout the second half, as Houston made every basket and they started to create more separation, every time they would hit a three, you would just hear, you would just hear three every time. And at the end of the game, they even started their own Ryan Elvin chant because they wanted Ryan Elvin to get into the game. And when Kelvin put him in the game, they just lost it. And then when he hit the three, it got loud. It felt like I was in a Fertitta Center for a second. It felt like I was in a Fertitta Center for a second. That's how loud they were. So big shout out to them. They made the trip up to Philadelphia. The, the, yeah, I think Mark Adams mentioned that uh, Ryan Elvin's mom and dad are from either from Philly or from Pennsylvania. So that's why he had like a hundred mm-hmm. friends and family come to the game as yeah, well. That so that's part too. of the crowd. So great to see Cook fans Absolutely. becoming nationally popular. Outstanding. 
Absolutely. But on that note, I'm going to send it over to Marcus Sasser. Check out what he had to say following Houston's 81-65 victory over Temple. Talk a little bit about uh, what the message was from Coach in the second half. And, I mean, really, what was the key to that 13-0 run y'all started out with? Um, really just come out you know, with a lot of energy um, and really just try to get a run. Um, our goal was to make them call timeout. And um, I think we did a good job coming out in the second half with high energy. Uh, coach was talking about how really the message wasn't even about y'all's defense. Like, they were hitting right. some crazy shots. Yeah. It was about the offense and execution. What, what did you guys see from that offense to be able to make Temple call time, huh? Yeah, um, J-1, you know, he was in foul trouble the first half. So, mm -hmm. um, we used him big time at the start of the second half, and we really just played through him. Um, right. He just made the whole team, I saw the um, team better. So, I think... Just using him, you know, as a facilitator, as a scorer, really helped us in the second half. Mm -hmm. How big was Jarris in this game? Uh, he was great. Um, he was everywhere, really. He hit big shots, um, played great defense, rebounded at a high level. Um, he was a, he was big tonight for us. Coach said one of the kind of key things for you guys heading into March would be to continue to develop the bench, especially with, like, the young guys you have with all the freshmen and then Javier Francis, too. From your perspective as a leader of the team, how could you help in, in their development heading into March? Um, just being on them really in practice um, mm -hmm. so they can be ready for the moment um, when they do come in because, you know, like even tonight, you never know when somebody can pick up two fouls or right. um, even three fouls in the second half or something like that. So really just staying ready for the moment, really. Mm -hmm. A game like this, obviously, I'm sure you guys wanted bad after what they did at Fertitta Center. To be able to come out and, and come away with a win, how do you guys feeling heading back to Houston? Um, you know, we feel good. Um, I just feel like it's a right place, a right step in direction for us um, mm -hmm. going, you know, towards March. Um, I feel like we really needed this. So I feel like it was a good W. Thank you, Mark. So once again, that was Houston Cougar senior guard Marcus Sasser talking after the game and... A couple things that stood out there. I think it's it's interesting from that last tidbit about how they, they kind of needed this one heading into March from, I mean, it was a good quality win and a crazy atmosphere that it was. They were able to, to make the crowd quiet out and for the most part send most of the Temple faithful to their homes early. But what stood out to you for Marcus Sasser postgame? I think it was his comment about staying on them at practice and being ready because um like we just like we just said a second ago, you you never know when the opportunity is gonna come. Like you said, someone can pick up two fouls, someone can pick up three fouls, an injury can occur, but knock on wood, where anything can happen where their role can grow. So for them, it's about being ready. And playing within the rhythm. And so I think that's what stood out to me the most. And I think he knows how important they're going to be down the stretch. And I think as a leader, he, he's taking upon himself, it sounds like, um, to help prepare them for what's to come because he's been there. Although he didn't play last year coming down the stretch, he, he knows what it takes. He was there and still got those mental reps. So I think uh, with the leadership with him and, and Jamal, um, I think they're going to help bring Terrence and Emmanuel and, and even Jarris um, along down the stretch. Agreed with everything Dayon said right there. And, and it's important to get these young guys confidence in themselves because I think their teammates believe in them and see what yeah. they can bring. But as freshmen who don't get a lot of minutes come off the bench, they may have a little self-doubt. I don't know. I think the confidence is there. I, will, I think they. I will, yeah, I think they all have an individual. individual well, I, I, I'm not sure about Terrence add, yet. 
No, oh, Chris, uh, to add on to your point, and this is a great comment. So this is something that Terrence Arsenal said after their practice on Friday. And he actually did kind of allude to that where he, he went back to November and specifically that Oregon game. He talked about how really he, he was playing. It, he didn't necessarily say it was a different mentality, but he felt like he was playing much more loose in terms of maybe less pressure on him where he was like, oh, I'm a freshman. I'm just going to go out and play. If I make mistakes, I'm a freshman. They're supposed to happen. And then he said it during the middle of December and January, it kind of shifted to maybe he was trying too hard to be perfect and being able to execute what's expected from coaching staff. And now he said he's beginning to kind of, he's trying to get back to that mentality that he had in November, which I found it interesting there because it does kind of connect with Chris, what you pointed out to about the confidence heading in down the stretch of the season. Yeah. I don't know if that points to confidence in my opinion, though. I, I think that's more of doing, because in his bite, he also talked about, doing things like rebounding and defense to get himself going and get himself into a rhythm. I don't think within that he's losing confidence. He's just trying to find um, a consistent stretch to where he can produce at the level he know he can produce it. I don't think he's feeling like I can't do it or I shouldn't shoot this shot. I think he's just still learning and developing, and, and I don't think he's questioning himself. I don't see it. Man, maybe I could be wrong, but I, I just don't think it's a confidence factor, especially when I watch Emmanuel. He doesn't like confidence as far as taking shots, whether it drops or not. You can tell the confidence is there. And, and same with Terrence. I think for him it's more just second-guessing and not being decisive in his decision-making like I talked about with Jairus. I think at times we talked about with um, like I spoke about with Jairus. He was just second-guessing and not playing so i think terrence now i think he's just settling in and realizing he has allowed a game to come to him do the things that it, um because 90 percent of the game you're not going to have the ball in your hand so you can still impact winning with rebounding with playing hard and with effort and he said those things get him going offensively and so once he just gets to that point to where he kind of settles in and feeds more consistent and, and make quicker decisive decisive decisions like um in the last home game where he made the decision to drive and got that layup that's a quick decisive decision so i i can't say in my opinion that i think it's confidence well, we're, we're, we're splitting hairs here. When he had that, that up and – when he should have took the shot and he tried to dribble with it up and down, he hesitated. So yeah. whether that was, you know, should I take the shot, overthinking it, overanalyzing it, whatever. Decision-making. That's not confident. But I'm saying he's lacking confidence in himself because Coach Sampson is so hard on freshmen. As a freshman, yeah. if you don't play a lot of minutes, at some point you got to be like, man, I think I'm doing enough in practice. I think I'm doing everything. And his teammates are telling him, yo, man, you're doing fine. Keep doing what you're doing. This is just coach being hard on you because that's who he is. Mm -hmm. He can hear all that all day long. But until he believes in himself, that's the holdup. It's not going to take him that long. He's just that one, my little thing, he's got to have it in himself. The guy's telling me to keep shooting. Coach Sam tells him, Terrence, you're one of the best on this team. Keep shooting. Yeah. But he misses. Oh man, I, I, I should I do it? Should I pass up this shot? Should I pass it? Should I drive? Terrence, just trust what everybody's saying to you and you'll be fine. That's what he's that's holding him back. 
to, to add on to your point, Chris, that's something that Kelvin said. He said it again after this this uh, presser that he had following Temple, but he said it. I can't remember. He might have said it after the Cincinnati game or during one of his Zoom availabilities during the week. But he said that the work that Terrence has been putting in in practice has improved. It's just about continuing to translate it over to the game. And he says he feels confident that one of these days that he is going to have a breakout game similar to what he displayed way back in November against Oregon. And I want to touch on this question from Casanova here because I don't know the answer to it. When was yeah, the last it time a team had to rank, you know, number one three different times in the same season? We'd have to ask Conrad about that because I'm not sure. That's a great <laughs> question. Know. Yeah. Yeah. And even saying all that, I still don't care. I'd rather be number one seed than be ranked number one in the AP poll unless it's the final poll of the season. That's the one I care about. They go hand in hand, though. You being ranked number one uh, enough times throughout the season, more than likely you're going to get that number one seed. And so I want Houston to be ranked in the number one in the AP poll, coaches, all that. And so the, if they number one, they mean they're doing what they're supposed to do to earn that number one seed. And so I want it. I, plus, it's bragging rights like we talked about. So we're like, hey, nah, we're number one. And so, yeah, I, I think want the it. biggest the biggest change is that if they are the number one team come Wednesday when they're playing Tulsa, they're going to, the PA announcer is going to include it in the intro again, your number one ranked Houston Cougars. But I think the, the interesting thing when it comes to rankings, they haven't really wavered from number one in the net rankings, which again, going back to seeding for a team that's basically consistently been the number one team all year long in the net rankings. That's got to say a lot when it comes to who should be a number one seed come roughly a month from now when it's selection Sunday. I think it's just over 50 days now until we're – it might be less than that. I'm around there when For it comes to Sunday, selection oh, yeah, Sunday. It's less than that, yeah. Yeah, but – as we start to wrap it up, again, I'd like to say thank you to all of you guys that are watching us live here on the Houston Round Ball Review YouTube channel, watching Let's Reach Coops presented by the Saxonian Family Live. Chris Dayon, we're competing with the Grammys today, tonight. So we do have a good audience. This is a really good show, continuing there, considering that we're technically competing against network television. We thank you guys for taking the time out of your day to watch Let's Rage Coos instead of the Grammys. But <clears throat> anyways, on that note, obviously the final score, once again, if you're just joining us, Houston Cougars, number three ranked Houston Cougars, defeated Temple 81-65, to atoning for their lone conference loss of the season so far, which came just a few weeks ago inside the Fertitta Center against this very same Temple Owls team. Now, when you look at leaders, of course, you have to start with Jarris Walker, who led the team with 23 points on 8 of 12 shooting. He had 6 rebounds. And like Dayon alluded to, he also had an offensive rebound. Marcus Sasser had 13 points. Jamal Shedd had 12 points. Jawan Roberts had 12 points. So they were just 4 points shy of Tremont Mark for once again having all starters be in double figures. I'm going to leave it open. Whoever wants to take it, what are kind of your final takeaways? Uh, I got distraction. I got it distracted by Parker Ainsworth's comment. You do. I have a Beyonce impression for Grammy night. It's the rules. I do not have a Beyonce impression. I, I would not be able. You do not want to hear me sing. No, no. You do not want to hear me sing. Chris, it is the Grammys. Maybe you could sing. Chris has the voice for it. <laughs> I can sing, but I'm not going to sing any Beyonce songs, man. <laughs> I'm not doing that. No, no, no. <laughs> All right, Parker. 
Parker distract. I guess I do have the mic. Maybe I'll. I, no, yeah, I can't true. sing. Not at all. My voice is not cut out for for being able to move a high pitch or anything like that. But I, what I was gonna say, I'll leave it open. Whoever wants to take it, any final takeaways from Houston's victory over Temple and anything looking ahead, they're gonna be playing Tulsa again on Wednesday. They've already played them one. It was actually the, I believe, the conference opener way back in December 28th. And Houston was able to, to beat the Golden Hurricane without really much issues. What do you guys expect in that game? Any final takeaways from this game? I want to go, I, I go first because I want to give Andy uh, his flowers because of the Wi-Fi issues he had to deal with at the Temple oh. with Leocorus Center. So that's why we had a little later start to less rage Cougs. I, I had forgotten about those this this evening. So he adapted. So we're adjusting to technology, and so and we're still able to bring you less rage Cougs tonight to discuss the Cougs' 81-65 win over Temple, and now the Cougs are two games up over uh, Tulane and Temple because they're now eight and three, and the Cougs are ten and one in the conference. So that's big. Tulsa, it's a home game. The Cougs need to continue. Hopefully, continue. They're not going to make 10 straight buckets. I'm not expecting that. But efficiently, offensively, ball movement, good assist numbers. There are two losses, only eight assists average in those two losses. Their wins, roughly 15 or 16 assists per game. The ball movement is key. Don't have it be sticky. They do that. They are better than Tulsa. Tulsa's rebuilding. Need to go out and show it, get the win over Tulsa, and keep moving forward. Keep, keep, keep progressing as the season winds down. It's almost tournament time. Another stat that Mark Adams said during the broadcast that stuck out to me, I, I can't recall exactly what it was, but in Houston's two losses, they both struggled from the free throw line. So that's something to keep my eye on. I know this team is more than capable of being a good free throw shooting team. But what stood out to me for me tonight was your top three guards didn't necessarily have good shooting nights, but they still dominated the game by making plays and getting the ball into the paint. And so Houston isn't a team that has to rely on the three, but they can beat you from the three. But when they get the ball into the paint and make plays um, like Jamal, like Tremont, and, and like Marcus did tonight, it makes them really tough to the guard and makes them really tough to plan for. And, and plus, I mean, when you have someone like Marcus who you don't need to score as a proficient as he's capable of doing, and I think I think it's tough. And I, I think J1 is on the sky report for the officials. That's something that I, I think now. I think he's on the scouting report for the officials to watch his aggression and watch how he plays. So he has to play smarter because I think he can even have a bigger impact on the game if he stays on the floor longer because you see what he did in limited minutes tonight with the last couple of games. So if he can stay on the floor longer and Houston continue to get the ball in the paint, um, I really love him. Like Chris said, I expect him to dominate to us pretty much. And Andy, Mr. Smith answered it, but I'm gonna go ahead and answer it for those who aren't uh, watching us and watching listening to the podcast later on. <laughs> if the Cougs, the number one overall seed, will be placed in the region, that's well, that's how it's gonna play for every top four of the seeds. Number one overall seed will be placed in the region closest to them. So that's why when you see right now, Purdue is number one overall. They're in Louisville. If the Cougs become number one overall seed. The closest region is Kansas City, and then it'll just go down. Number the second number one was close to them, and then third, and then last number one was ever left. <laughs> that's that's what's going to be there. So it's important to some people. Cougs play like they did today, second half. 
it's not going to matter. A lot of bracketology has the Cougs. Well, if they are one seed in, in their bracketology mm-hmm. in Vegas, because there are still some who have them as a two seed. And, and don't get me started on all that kind of stuff. But, <laughs> Andy, you go ahead and wrap it up here on this another edition of Less Rage Cougs, the unofficial postgame show for Houston Cougars men's basketball and football. Yes, sir. That is sponsored by the Saxanian family for the remainder of the men's basketball regular season and into the American Athletic Conference postseason tournament. Once again, the final score from Philadelphia, the Houston Cougars defeat Temple 81-65 to in Philadelphia. I'd like to say thank you to our partners. Of course, like I said, the Saxanian family, the primary sponsor, H-O-U-N-I-L and Star Pizza. Huge thank you for them for being partners on today's episode of Let's Rage Cougs. We'll be back following Houston's game against Tulsa on Wednesday and will be from the Fertitta Center. Chris and I will be from the Fertitta Center on Wednesday night, 7 p.m. tip off. So we'll probably air around 10, 10 p.m., probably a little bit before or maybe a little over, depending on how the game goes. Until then, Dan, I'll go to you first. Where can people find you? Any last comments about this game? You can find me on all social media platforms at Dayon Dunlap. And I can't say enough how appreciative we are for everyone who has joined us and continue to join us throughout the entire season and the comments, the interaction. I personally appreciate it. I know Chris and Andy feel the same way. We definitely, definitely really appreciate the support. But, I mean, my last takeaways is Jairus, man. Um, Chris said just early on in the season that he could end the year as Houston's best player, and he looks like he's on that trajectory. And so for him just to, just to keep dominating, keep playing how he's playing, he's showing that he can beat you in a multitude of ways. Today was from behind the three-point line. We've seen what he can do, and he's a great intermediate two-point scorer with his floater and his ability to score two-point baskets. So for Houston, just keep stacking up the wins, keep um, developing your overall roster, of course, you got the best coach in the nation with Coach Sampson and the best coaching staff on side of him. And so, sideways, man. Go Cougs. Keep going. And and I want to commend Mark Adams because he continues to beat the drum for American Athletic Conference basketball, but the Cougs specifically because of his time working on Kelvin Sampson back when they were in what was it, Montana Tech those days in that conference way back when. So Mark Adams – he, he credited the Cougs coaching staff, assistant coaches today, Qantas, Kellen, all those guys. So it's good to have Mark on the broadcast of Cougs games. He won't be doing this uh, next year when the Cougs join the Big 12. It'll be a lot of Fran Priscilla. But like Dayon said, we appreciate everyone tuning in to Let's Rage Cougs live, watching the rebroadcast, listen to the rebroadcast on the audio platforms. Hit that like button. Tell your friends about the channel, uh, about the shows that we do. We're going to do more post-game shows. We're going to, we're going, as long as the Cougs are playing, we'll be covering the Cougs and doing less rate Cougs throughout this season until the season ends. And then get ready for Big 12 play. But it's about this year's team. Second half today, you saw the potential that this team has when it's clicking, offensively and defensively. If they can do that going forward, who knows how far this run is going to go. So, as always, thank you very much for tuning in to Less Rage Cougs. You can find me at HoustonRoundBarView.com. Houston Round Bar View on Instagram. Our Twitter is the T H E H R Review. And if you haven't already uh, listened to my post game comments or Coach Huey and Little Blair's post game comments from yesterday's win over Temple, 
So the weekend, H-Town beat Temple in men's and women's basketball. So take that, Philly. But thank you very much, as always, for watching Let's Rage Cougs. See you guys Wednesday. Take care. Chris, you're crushing on a city that's already been downed by a Houston, a Houston professional team when it comes to a sporting event, not to mention the World Series 2022. We saw some banners there, so congratulations again to Houston Astros to beat the Phillies. But like Apollo said, thank you guys for, for watching, and be sure to hit the like button for today's episode of Let's Rate Cougs, and also hit the subscribe button if you're not already subscribed to the Houston Ron Ball Review YouTube channel. Follow us personally on Instagram and TikTok. Let's Rage Cougs is all lowercase. It is just Let's Rage Cougs, and of course, follow us on Twitter at Jamma. That's at P-A-W-D-S-L-A-M-H-A-A-M-A. And, of course, subscribe to the Pod Slamma Jamma YouTube channel, where if you're joining us now and didn't get to check out the clip of Kelvin Sampson and one more disaster, you can do so at the Pod Slamma Jamma YouTube channel. This has been a presentation of Let's Rage Coops presented by the Saxonian family. Like Chris said, we'll be back Wednesday night following Houston Tulsa. As always, Dan, you get the final word. You can't end the episode without saying, let's go, Cougs. Go, Cougs.